There's two relatively unfamiliar hymns we have navigated through reasonably well tonight, so thank you for your, your efforts, and both of them appropriate to your portion of Scripture this evening. I trust a challenge to all of our souls as we consider God's Word again tonight. Genesis, uh, the chapter 9, is before us. Uh, let's just look to the Lord for a moment before we study this portion together. Our Lord and our God, as we considered this morning, we have a new song to sing. We may not be, Lord, particularly musically gifted, but we have a good song to sing. We bless thee, O Lord, for your love for Christ. We are thankful for your drawing power. Uh, Lord, there are multitudes tonight who think uh, they are walking with God, who think they are right with God. And it is simply not true. We pray this evening that there will be a great awakening, that there will be a great realization, uh, Lord, of even people in our own town, of their need of genuine faith and repentance, uh, genuine needs of the Savior. Lord, rescue the perishing. Save, Lord, the sinner. We pray, Lord, tonight for those who are engulfed in substance abuse. And Lord, they're uh, their brain, brains are wet with alcohol. Uh, their brains are completely malfunctioning with heavy substance abuse. Some, Lord, driven to suicide. and Some, Lord, despair and homes broken. And Heavenly Father, we pray that, Lord, you would deliver men and women from the vice of abuse. So, Lord, bless thy word this evening. Lord, you know every heart. And we pray there will be truth for every soul. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen and amen. This is the first reference to alcohol post-flood. This is the new world where God has flooded the earth. The surface is new. Here you have the early inhabitants, Noah and his family, who have come through the flood. They are the first generation who have come through the floods. And here they are making their way in this new world. But early in Scripture and immediately in this new world, we are shown the ill effects of drunkenness and alcohol. Here is a godly, godly man. Outstanding amongst the people of God. Do not misunderstand the spiritual giant this man genuinely was. And yet, we read of him here, lying naked in his tent with no ability to even recognize. There's no clothing on him. Shocking how far this man fell on this occasion. Where drunkenness exists, disaster is never far behind. And in my short time in Lorne, I can testify to seeing this over and over and over and over again. As a brother in the Lord who struggled with alcohol for a time, once said to me, when you're younger, 
You see people drinking the bottle and you want to get it. When you come of age, you get hold of the bottle. And as time passes, suddenly you find yourself, you're trapped in the bottle. The bottle's got you. Alcohol, men and women, is a most dangerous liquid. Substance abuse is something that destroys. So I entitle this sermon tonight, A Drunken Disaster, because that's what it is. Alcohol was the singular substance that brought this dreadful disaster about. This evening, I want you to see, first of all, Noah's mistake. Read with me here in these opening verses of our portion, verse 20. Verse 20, And Noah began to be an husband man. That just means he became a man of the ground. Actually, the word, believe it or not, is Adama. You hear the word Adam there, Adama. He's a man of the ground. It refers to a groundsman. Agriculture is the idea. He began, so this is early on, after he came out of the ark, he began to, well, work with the ground. Plant various fruit and vegetables. On this occasion, we read of a vineyard that he has planted. That's all fine, well and good. There's no problem so far. That's fine. Verse 21. We read that he drank of the wine. Again, that's fine. You see, here is a man, he has labored and he has had his vineyard. And bear in mind, in those days, you only had three options, as far as I know anyway. You had water, you had milk, and you had wine. I suppose there's room to suggest there may have been herbal drinks as well. I'm not so sure if that would have happened at this stage, but certainly in Noah's stage in the new world, milk, water, and wine were certainly available. But you have to keep in mind that when you take the grape of the vine and you press it, that's what the Bible's talking about wine there. It's fine. It's like you and I going to the store and getting some juice. There's no issue with that. But there's something more in our text here. Because clearly Noah had taken some of that wine and it was allowed to ferment for whatever reason, we're not sure. But he drank of it. Now, even though here is a man, he's drinking now alcoholic wine. And there's the difference. He's drinking alcoholic wine. I want you to understand, we are not talking here about what we have today. When you go to the store, you buy some kind of alcoholic beverage. It's something which is strongly distilled. It is scientifically worked at to get the most of the alcoholic effect upon your body. That's not what we have here. Here's a man. He's out working. Some of it has been kept. It's been crushed. It's been crushed and then kept. And some of it has obviously went through the fermentation process and has become intoxicating. They were not told what the occasion was that alcohol was made available. It may have been a family feast time. It may have been an occasion where there is rejoicing and the harvest is brought in. And maybe the great juice from last harvest was now brought out. 
We don't know the occasion. Either way, here are here is a man, if not with his family, certainly on his own. He is taking the fruit of his labor and he is enjoying it. But he's enjoying it just way too much. People will come to Noah's defense here. I can't comment, but people will come to Noah's defense and suggest that because this is the new world and there's a new atmosphere, that it may well be that the new atmosphere had an unusual effect upon the ground, upon agricultural process, upon even the uh, process by which wine is made. And perhaps prior to the flood, it was more difficult because of a different atmosphere to make an alcoholic beverage which is intoxicating. Perhaps it could have kept uh, wine for much longer without it being intoxicating. But now in the new world... Here you have alcohol which is perhaps more potent in a shorter space of time. And maybe that's what happened. And maybe that was the case. I don't know. We're not told. Maybe that was indeed the difficulty. Whether or not that's the case, the reality is that Noah drank liberally. He drank more than his old body could cope with. And he ended up drunk. It's important for the disciple of God, for the believer to be very careful as to how we use the abundance that God gives us. Because we do have abundance. We live in a day of abundance. That does not mean we can overindulge in everything that is set before us. I take you for a moment to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. Because I think here there's a very helpful verse on this subject. Second Chronicles chapter 32. I want you to turn here. And the verse 31. Here's Hezekiah. I read of Matthew Henry making this observation and it's a very helpful observation verse 31 regarding hezekiah how be it in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of babylon who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land god left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart now i'm not going to Describe everything that happened here. If you're familiar with the Bible, you will know what happened. Hezekiah was the king and there were ambassadors from Babylon and they came. They wanted to see the extent of Hezekiah's kingdom. I suppose Hezekiah being very proud. Well, not very proud, but very pleased and excited to show other people's greatness. He showed these Babylonian ambassadors everything that he had. He wanted to go to great lengths to show them his riches, his wealth, his splendor, and the Lord allowed that to happen so that Hezekiah's heart would be demonstrated. It says God left him to try him. And of course, then the prophet came to Hezekiah and said, those men that you show, showed around your palace, what did you show them? And Hezekiah, if my memory serves me right, said words to the effect that there was nothing I didn't show them. And then the prophet said, well, everything you've shown them will be carried to Babylon. Everything. 
And of course, Hezekiah was heavy hearted that he realized what he'd done. He had been boastful in showing everything that he had. There was no humility at that point in time. But the point was, why did the Lord allow those Babylonian men to come and to search out his riches? It was because the Lord left Hezekiah to try him, to see what was in his heart. And I suggest the same situation was what occurred with Noah. The Lord left him to try him. See what was in his heart. And that's why I'm not just so sure Noah was 100% innocent. I'm not just so sure that what happened in Genesis 9 was an accident and Noah unwittingly uh, became drunk. And I'm not sure. I don't know. You need Noah himself to come and tell you the truth. But there's no doubt that the Lord allowed Noah. The Lord left Noah. To make his own decision. The Lord could have prevented him. But at times men and women. You and I need to know. That the Lord allows temptation to come. God doesn't tempt. but He al- And that's a part of the New Testament. God allows temptation to come to try us. Not that God doesn't know how we'll respond. But that we might demonstrate. What's actually in our heart. So be careful. Sin. Be careful with. Being on the fringes. Of that which is iniquitous and wrong. So, let's go back to our text in Genesis chapter 9. This is why I believe that Noah finds himself in this situation. The Lord has allowed him to enter this situation that he might prove him. And, well, Noah ended up drunk. It's just a striking passage. Because there's no believer who doesn't look up to Noah. There's no child of God who doesn't read about Noah and have the highest respect and the highest esteem. I think today, if you would take an outstanding saint, a man or woman of God, and if you saw them in the same state that Noah saw them, you'd be gutted. You'd be just disappointed. And I read of Noah, I'm disappointed to see how he fell here. Remember back in Genesis 6 and the verse 9, remember what was said of him then? Turn with me there. Genesis 6 and the verse number 9. This is a summary of Noah. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. That's some statement. That's God's Description of Noah. He was upright. He was perfect. But that obviously does not mean he was sinless. Again, Matthew Henry would say that he was not sinless, but he had sincerity. He was perfectly sincere in his pursuit of God, but not sinless. He still had his faults. And we read of a major fault here tonight as we draw to the end of Noah's life. Leading up to the flood, you will understand how Noah was very much on fire for God. The flood was about to come and God had warned Noah. 
And there was plenty of activity. There was plenty to do. There was plenty to work at. Plenty to keep his mind active and his hands active. And he's serving God. He was suffering persecution. He was preaching righteousness. While everybody else was drunken, he was sober. He was saddened by the people's sin. He was suffering for righteousness' sake. He was sober when they're all drunken, but now the flood is gone. He made it through. Now there's ease. Zion. The battle's over. The big challenge is done. And he's lying, enjoying the fruit of his labor. And let me tell you, when you have excessive time, and would you have the ability to have excessive substances, sin will occur. And that's the problem. He had plenty of time in his hand. And he had access to plenty of substance. And therefore, leisure and alcohol always produce sin. Now, take you to another verse of Scripture for a moment. Go to 1 Corinthians with me. Over the New Testament. 1 Corinthians. The chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10. And that's why again I call that portion in Genesis 9 a troubling portion. Because 1 Corinthians 10. And the verse 12 states. Wherefore. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed. Lest he fall. Let him that standeth take heed lest he fall. And that's exactly what I think. Happened to Noah. He has stood through persecution. He has seen his whole family brought into the ark. He has built the ark. He endured those uh, that year plus period in the ark. He's come out. Everything's success. He's done it. He's accomplished it. Let him that stand of take heed lest he fall. And I read of Noah and I put a shiver down my spine. That I ought to take heed. Lest in standing I would fall. We should never read of the story of Noah. Without great soul searching. And going to the Lord and praying. Lord if Noah fell help me. Noah standing. Yet he fell. Let's go back to our portion in Genesis 9. And as we look at Noah's mistake. I want you to see the results that came from his drunkenness here. Like I said, we don't know the occasion. He may have just been himself um, overindulging in the fruit of his labor and was drunken or whatever. But anyway, in verse 21, we read, and he drank of the wine and was drunken. And here's the result of being drunken. He was uncovered within his tent. Like I said, he's naked. He's lying there, not fully clothed. And that was a great shame. Because remember when Adam, his eyes were open. And shame gripped Adam and Eve's heart. What's the first thing they did? Grab for clothing. They sewed leaves together, made themselves aprons to cover themselves. But here now you have Noah. He is such 
in a drunken stupor, like an idiot. He's not even aware, but he hasn't got clothes on him. And his son walks in and sees his father in the most ridiculous manner. What a fool this man of God has become. This leader of a home. This leader of a nation. This man that God chose. To lie like a fool. And shown early in scripture. The danger of alcohol. Let him that standeth take heed lest he fall. Proverbs 20. I read it to you. It says wine is a mocker. And so it is. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived. Deceived thereby is not wise. Wine, you can be deceived in the thinking that it's perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Not at all. It's a mocker. And that's exactly what we see early in scripture. Listen, Noah's been mocked by the alcohol that he's drunk. It's ruined him. Hard to recover from something like this, isn't it? It brought shame. Being an idiot. And let's think for a moment of any person who would consume alcohol and become drunken. And then the next day, the effects of the intoxication begins to wear off. And they're reminded of what happened last night. Nine times out of ten, they're mortified. Done things, said things they would never say in their right frame of mind. Or even worse. And I've met plenty of them, particularly when I was in the building site. Young men who will go out and they'll drink themselves stupid. And with the greatest respect, I have to say, they had enough gumption, enough wit, to look at what they did last night and be embarrassed. They laugh at it. They laugh at their perverted behavior. They laugh at their language and what they did and what they got up to. They laugh at the fact they spent their evening hanging over a toilet bowl regurgitating what was in their stomach in the first place and they think it's funny they haven't the sense to see the shame in it all so fallen so darkened and it's sad sad wine is a mocker it's raging don't be deceived just before we go any further here, let me read you a few verses to show you what the Bible says about alcohol. Go with me to a few of these verses at least. First Peter in chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4 and the verse 3. For the time past of our life may suffice us. To have wrought the will of the pagans or the Gentiles. The will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess, 
of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, and so on. And again, here you have the exhortation made that the will of the pagan, the will of the Gentile, is to fly to things like alcohol and wine, to, f- to let it flow and drink until you're more than filled with drink, you're drunk. That's the behavior of a pagan, someone who knows not God. Ephesians chapter 5 and the verse 8 it simply states, be not drunk with wine. For as excess be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be not drunk. Could not be clearer. Would you go with me to Proverbs? Proverbs chapter 31. And Proverbs isn't talking about being drunk. It's just talking about drinking. There's a difference there. So Proverbs 31 and the verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine. So it's not talking about being drunk, okay? It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. See that? point being made here then is intoxication of any level is going to bring lack of discernment. It will bring an open door to living on godly and foolishly and unwise. It's for the fool. Now look at the next verse, verse 6. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish and wine Unto those that be heavy of heart. You see what's going on there. That is now talking about medicinal use. It wasn't painkillers in those days. This is coming in. And you see that in the New Testament as well. Um, Timothy, sorry, Paul said to Timothy, take a little wine for thy stomach. Like, that's medicinal use. Listen, there are herbs that grow across the world. And rightly used, they are fine. That doesn't give you an open door to sit down and smoke weed. Get some ecstasy, some marijuana in you because the Bible says that substances can be used for medicinal use. That's not what you have in those verses. Don't, don't twist the scripture to live in a riotous, ungodly manner. Galatians 5, in the verse 19 to 20, it speaks there about the works of the flesh is that of drunkenness. Habakkuk chapter 2, I'll read it with you. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth the bottle to him, and maketh him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. And again, that's a very, very dark passage. I must be truthful. Here is someone making someone else drunk to pursue their lustful ends. But you do see something similar in the days of Noah. Here was a man who was drunk, stupid, left naked. There's nothing attractive about drink or alcohol. We're warned in the strongest of terms in Scripture about the dangers of that substance. You can bring in their drugs as well. Let's go back through the portion of God's word and 
You can read of many occasions, too many to go through the night, of individuals drinking and calamity coming upon them. And their foolish behaviour as a result of their drinking cost the lives of many people who have died as a direct 100% result of drinking alcohol. The foolishness and the silliness that it produces, it brings the nakedness of the man, it exposes who you are. So, let's look again at Noah here in Genesis 9. Because there's something very encouraging. and Don't miss it. Verse 24. Genesis 9 to verse 24. Here's this man of God fell, fallen into substance abuse on this occasion. Verse 24. And Noah awoke from his wine. And that encourages me. It encourages me because of what is not said. It just says that he awoke from his wine. That means that the effects of it wore off. But he didn't run to it again. You see, here's the difference between Noah and the alcoholic. Noah awoke from it and we never read of it happened to him again. That shows you as a man of God. And for whatever reason this occurred, we can't tell with great accuracy, but he didn't go back to it again. Would you take your Bibles and turn to a portion in Proverbs which is the opposite? Proverbs 23. Let's look there. Proverbs 23. I want you to turn to this one now. And the verse 29. Because here's the alcoholic. And remember, an alcoholic isn't someone who is constantly out of his mind with alcohol. But look what you read here. Verse 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babblings? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? Answer. They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek next wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his colour in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of the mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. And that's the alcoholic. They're drinking and it gives them woe, it gives them sorrow, it brings contentions. They babble when they're induced with it. They have wounds, they don't even know why they're there. They have redness of eyes. They go through all of this rigmarole and when they waken up, they seek it again. 
That continual dependence, that desire, that reliance. I can say with great delight, that wasn't Noah. I woke from it. came to a senses. But I want to caution here. Do not misunderstand the word of God here. It speaks in the clearest of terms of the dangers of the substance of alcohol. So go back then, please, to Genesis chapter 9. Because you read here that when, verse 24, And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had, had done unto him. When you wake from the wine, I'm not speaking from experience, and, and that's by the grace of God, but I do understand that when you awake from wine, there's a lot of what happened you understand. Maybe not with perfect clarity, but you understand some of what you have seen and witnessed with your own eyes. Well, Noah awoke and he remembered. He remembered what his son had done. So be cautious how you deal with people who are induced with alcohol. You may well just remember. So I want you to come with me here and we'll finish off with Ham's mistake. So we looked at Noah's mistake. Let's now look at Ham's mistake or Ham's misdemeanor. What did Ham do? So read the verse with me again. Verse 24, And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son, Ham, had done unto him. Well, go back to verse 21. And he drank of the wine and was drunken. And he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. Now let's just stop there for a moment. There was Ham's misdemeanor. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to what, what actually happened here. Uh, some would suggest that there was immorality, that the word Saul there is kind of like the word knew in Scripture, like Adam knew his wife. And here Ham saw his father. And there's all kinds of suggestions. Let me tell you, it's pure speculation, and I don't see it in Scripture. I don't think there's... I could be wrong, but I don't think there's anything more than the fact that Ham saw his father. That's my opinion. And I have reason to believe that. But let me say this. Here's the key to this whole text. Ham saw the nakedness of his father. But go to verse 23, where you read of the other brothers, Shem and Japheth. And when you come to the end of verse 23, it says, And their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. Same word. Clearly relating to a vision. And that's it. Ham saw, they didn't see. Here's what I feel is the uh, misdemeanor, the error of Ham here. Verse 22 says, Ham saw his father drunken and he ran to tell his brothers. And there it is. That's it. He ran to tell the others of what his father has done. My dear big brothers, come and see. Come and see dad in the tent. Come and look. He's drunk out of his mind. It's a wretched 
wretched son who would be entertained to see his father lying in sin. A wretched scourge of a child who would run to tell everybody he saw about their parents' errors. And I believe that's the problem on Ham's part. You see, a child of God would not be entertained by seeing this. If you were to see this godly man, Noah, lying in the state in his tent, your duty is not to go and confess it to everybody else. It's his sin to confess. And believers and anybody, believe or not, this is something to keep in mind. It is not your duty to confess other people's sins. That's their duty. But dear child of God, for you and I, it is our duty to restore such as have fallen back on to godliness. It's not our duty to confess. That's theirs. It's our duty to restore. It's our duty to cover sin. And you know what I mean by that? Not to make a public show of it. Not to put it out for everyone to laugh and cheer and to ruin a testimony. No, keep your mouth shut. Far better behavior. Endeavor to restore the sinner. And that is exactly what Japheth and Shem did. They went and they covered their father without looking at him. You know, what I've just said is true of a, of a fellow believer or of a neighbor, but whatever I have said there now, you can multiply that ten times in its application to a parent. If you were to find a parent, dear child, whatever age you are, it is not our position to go and to mock our parents, but we are called to honor our parents. Not to mock them. Not to gossip about anyone's sin, let alone those who have brought us into the world. And because of Ham's behavior, God cursed Ham and Ham's family. Now, I will not get to that tonight because I'm not going to go any further. And maybe we'll mention it by way of introduction next Lord's Day evening. But understand at this point, wine in the new world is not something to handle lightly. Be careful that in your confidence and standing and in being able to handle a wee bit of alcohol, you don't fall and wake up tomorrow or some other day being more than embarrassed and wishing with all your heart, soul, strength and mind you did not touch that bottle. And there is many a man whom I have labored with for years in this town, would give anything, anything, to be delivered from alcohol. I can't get rid of it. And I close by turning you to Romans 13. Romans 13 in the verse 13. We look at this subject tonight because it is in our course of study with Noah. And I do not intend in avoiding 
um, a text like Noah, but take on the subject which we've done tonight. And I thank you for listening to me. But as we close here, Romans 13, the verse 13, look what it says here. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness. You see that? Not in drunkenness. Not in chambering, which is immorality, and in wantonness. Not in strife and envying, but instead of that, put ye on the Lord Jesus Instead of endeavouring to flirt with drunkenness, put on Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Don't make an opportunity to sin against God. Don't fulfil the lusts thereof. Don't cater for sin. But avoid it at all costs. So tonight we read Of the particular occasion of a man of God's drunken disaster. A man of God who had a drunken disaster. And his son. His son became the worst wretch for it. And we'll see of that perhaps next Lord's Day evening of God's. Well, a week after that because we'll visit it next week. The Lord just help us tonight to caution and consider The dangers of this substance that we would perhaps avoid a life destroyed thereby. Instead, seek Christ, build with Him, and walk with God. 242 is our closing hymn tonight.